Amen. person you, you want us to reach this, this year. Okay, for this time, may you just speak into our lives. May we uh, see the importance of sharing our story and speak obedience to that and to having our story, knowing what it is. We pray uh, for those who aren't here for whatever reason, God, we pray you be with them as well. Let's do it this time. Uh, dig into your word. You're my friend. Amen. All right, so this is our final week of our series, Be a Bringer. Um, but here's the thing. If, if you guys want to grow spiritually, we need to make faith a regular, everyday, go-to topic of conversation as we learn to connect our stories with God's story. And then to share our stories with other people. So in this ministry, we focus on four areas uh, of spiritual growth um, in, in this student ministry. So we have, number one, to spend time with others. Um, I, didn't have, I didn't do the Bible app tonight. I feel horrible. Sorry. I totally forgot to do the Bible app thing. Uh, but yes, number one, to spend time with others. Number two, spend time with God. Number three, share your story. Number four is use your gifts. And so from August, which is this month, through October, our focus is going to be on sharing your story. If you've been here the last two weeks, you would have known that we're talking about sharing your story. That's what we've learned. That's what we've been doing. And so next week we're going to be discussing, um, maybe on Sunday, maybe Sunday and Wednesday, what's called the Pass It On Challenge. So that's going to be your discipleship, I want to say focus discipleship challenge to you guys from August to October. So what that means is, so for the, the Pass It On Challenge, you're going to get the one week you're going to hear we're going to challenge you to hear from somebody, somebody you love and trust that you know has a relationship with God. You're going to hear their story. So all I want you to do that first week is to hear their stories. The second week, I want you to write your story, which hopefully you guys have already done two weeks ago, which I feel like nobody did. Now you've got another chance. Do it. Gavin did it. Did you do it, Gavin? Awesome, you get a gold star. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything, but you get a gold star. So, and then so, so first week is hear your story, or hear somebody's story. Number two, write your story. Number three, share your story. Um, and the way I would like you to share your story is if you have social media, share it on My challenge. Um, Hopefully you have people that see your book post on social media. Uh, okay, be a good place to share it. So that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more probably Sunday and then again next Wednesday. So this is, again, the final week of Be a Bringer. Uh, these past few weeks, we've been building up to this week. Like Everything we've done so far is leading up to this week. So we have a pretty, pretty good grasp on, on, on how to write and share testimonies. So then last week we talked about the importance of going out and making a mark in our world by sharing Jesus to the people who are around us and, and with those that we love. So that was last week. This week we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to try this maybe in a different, different way than, than normal. So let me ask you this. What if we only focused for this next year on reaching one person? rather than a huge group. So starting this year, um, one of our main focuses that we're going to be doing as a part of a family student ministry, I'm, I'm hopefully going to try to get this to where it's kind of a church-wide topic, 
is this whole idea of one life. If you've been in here, you've heard me talk about one life and a little bit about what that is. Tonight, we're really going to dig a little deeper and see what, that, what I mean by that. So what I believe, one life is a belief that I, I believe the best evangelism is done one-on-one. So every believer should have a non-believing friend, family member, co-worker, whatever, who does not know who Jesus is, and so we, as believers, are to be intentional about our life interacting with their life. So we're to be hanging out with, praying for, asking them how we can pray for them, inviting them to dinner, church, family events, whatever, in hopes that they come to know Jesus themselves and be baptized. That's what one life is. So my goal is that in a couple of years, anybody who calls family, student ministry, home, We'll know what one life is. Anytime we say one life, you know, it'd be so ingrained into who we are that we know what that means. So tonight our focus is going to be on learning what one life is and what our ministry is going to do and what it's going to look like moving forward. So we here a couple things I want you guys to be aware of. Uh, this whole one life thing, it's not to make people a project. This whole thing is not to make people a project. Has anybody ever heard the term missionary baby? It's like where a girl dates a guy, hoping to fix him. That's missionary dating. That doesn't work. I'm pretty sure the Bible speaks against that too. But it doesn't work. So that's kind of what this is. It's, it's not missionary friending, if you will. It's not a project where somebody needs to be fixed. You know, here's the truth. Because you and I, we can't fix anybody. So our goal is to be like Jesus in our interaction with friends and hope that they see Jesus as well. That's what we want. Uh, we're going to have two special one-night events where the, the focus and the theme is to bring your one life. Does that mean I only want you to bring them twice a year? No. You guys shake your head? No. No. I want you to bring them every week. But these two nights are going to be specifically geared towards them. A little bit different evening, different things we're going to do than, than normal. I'm a little bit bigger. The first one is just a month away, September 22nd. Um, so a little less than a month away. And so uh, bring your one life all year, but definitely encourage them to come to these two things. We're also doing, like I said, uh, you guys have probably talked about this already, our disciple now is coming up October 8th through 10th. Your one life gets to go for 10 bucks. That's a really good deal. Two people can go for $110. It's pretty cheap. So invite your one life to D-Now. Uh, our one life is not a... a one invite and done type of thing. It's not like, hey, my friend come to church and then they say no and then you never ask and they come back. That's not what one life is. It's not a one and done ask. The goal is to be a, a, a to be living a godly life that can spark some sort of a, a faith conversation with a friend. So one life is all about being intentional with someone and for someone. And th- this is a practical goal because I could I've done it before. I've been, I've been, you know, I've done this. I said, hey, invite your friends, invite all your friends. That's not, that's not realistic, right? I can tell you about all your friends. That's, you may have a lot of friends. I don't know. But if I tell you to invite one friend and get one friend here, that's a lot more practical than me saying, hey, bring all 25 of your friends, right? So it's, so it's practical to ask you to invite one person and pour into one person for this year. This, this whole thing breaks it down to a, a one-on-one, one-on-one relationship where it shows that you care and love 
your one life. Like I said a while ago, I believe that evangelism is best done one-on-one. You hear me? It's probably, you, you could disagree with me. You're going to have to talk about that in a little bit. But I believe every believer should have one life that they're investing in, talking to, praying for, and hopes that they come to know Jesus. Because a lot of times it's through a relationship that you have with somebody, someone comes to know Christ. I'm going to ask you a question. So it, remember back to whenever you became a Christian, was the person who kind of sparked that, you know, the faith conversation or helped guide you? Was it somebody you knew? Raise your hand. Some of you guys, you knew them? Okay. So I mean, it's, it's, it's one-on-one thing, that, that relationship that's built there, I think, is, is important. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8. If you have the Bible app on your phone device, it's charging. Matthew 8, starting in verse... I'm trying to go slowly so Cutter can make it. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Matthew 8, 5... Here we go. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who have followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. All right, I need you guys to kind of understand who this guy is and what, what, what's the big deal about it. The Romans here, they were the powerhouse here in, in Israel and much of this world at this time, right? They invaded it, they took over Israel and all these surrounding countries. These Roman armies will then run the cities uh, of the Israelites that lived there. So they came in, they ruled over the people. And these centurions, these guys, um, they might know how many people they were in charge of. They're called centurions. Give you a clue. I couldn't hear you, ladies. This place echoes horribly. You gotta be loud. 100. 100 is correct. Century. 100. So the centurion was in charge of 100 men, so they weren't like some just nobody. They were, they had authority. And then also, these Roman people that were there, they had many gods that they worshiped and to whom they offered sacrifices to. So you had this Roman who was not from Israel, living there, in charge of a hundred people who worshipped many gods. You got it? You guys got this? That's who he's talking to here. <clears throat> so this centurion who believed in many gods and had authority came to Jesus. And he, he said, 
Just say it. You don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy to be free to come to my house. Just say it. And he'll be healed. And he had that kind of faith. So based on the history of the brief, very brief history of Roman guards and who the Romans were to Israel, does it make sense for this man to come to Jesus for help? Does it make sense? No, because he's a Roman man who's in charge of a lot of people who believes in several gods. There's a reason for him to come to this Hebrew man for help. He'd be one of the last people that anyone would think would ever come to Jesus. Turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to start. If you do some deep digging online, you can find a video of me teaching this lesson or this chapter, this thing online to uh, people in, in uh, India, and they dug over me in Hindi, and it sounds really funny. I guess this one watch a few minutes of me sound like I'm from India. Pretty good. So Acts 16, starting in verse 16. As we're going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So she made them a lot of money. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain, hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. So the crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. This prison was some dark hole in the ground, not any light, and probably lots of nasty things on the ground. Okay? It was not pleasant. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks, or in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. You guys seen what's going on? This is crazy. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and with trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul in silence. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, Let, the, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, 
They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. When they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. All right, so what's the most interesting part of that story for you? You have to be loud because I can't hear you. Yes, ma'am. You have to be loud, girl. I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Anybody else? What What did you find interesting, weird, cool about that story? Yes, sir. Left. Uh, uh, like, don't do it, because he's thinking these prisoners are gone. They're going to kill me, so I might as well do it myself. Right? That's what he's thinking. Miss, they're singing. There's an earthquake happened. Their feet became un, you know, unlatched. Just a lot of crazy things going on in the story. And then the family believed. There's all kinds of cool stuff. But why do you think this guard all of a sudden asked him, how can I be saved? Why do you think he asked that? What do you guys think? Yes, ma'am. weird because if God first saw, heard them singing hymns and praising Jesus, and then God moved in a really big way, literally an earthquake, and he witnessed this, this gentle witnessed it in his own life and what he did in Paul and Silas's life. And then he wanted to know how to be saved, and I think, I think the guards saw what Paul, had, Paul and Silas had, and they wanted it for themselves. They're like, these guys, they're in prison, probably surrounded by poop and other things. And they're sitting there praising their God. That's not normal, right? That's not what people typically do when they're in prison surrounded by things they don't really want to be surrounded by. But here they are. They're, they're singing praises to God. So I believe the sailors saw what Paul and Silas had and they wanted it because they're different. Let me ask you that. People look at your life. And say, hey, I want what they have because they're different than me. They have hope. They have a joy that I don't have. Because this, let's face it, this world sucks. Right? Figure it, yes, because it does. It's hard. A lot of things happen in this world that are not good. But as far as Christ, we have a hope. We have a joy that nobody else has. Right? We have Christ. So I believe the sailors saw that and like, hey, I, I need that in my life. Hopefully people will look at you like you're different. And it's a good different. I, I need that. So I want you guys to think about this, the, the first passage we read. 
And look at and then the Roman centurion, right? So that's the first passage we had the, the Roman centurion, the guy with charge of a hundred. Is there anybody in your life that would be similar to him? Somebody that is there anybody in your life that you're close with that you would think that would never, ever trust Jesus or even just come to church? You guys have somebody in mind? Shake your head yes so I can see if you guys are paying attention. So do you guys have somebody? Yeah. Would you be willing to share Christ with them? Why or why not? I don't even hear it. Just think about it. Would you be willing to share Christ with those people who you think would never ever trust Jesus or even just come to church? Now, Jesus is the only way, the only one that can change a heart. The centurion would be somebody in our lives that we think would never even consider Jesus to be a part of their life. This story shows that even the most unexpected people can come to know and trust Jesus. So right now, I believe everybody has someone in their life who is close to them and is far from Jesus. And we think that there's just no way that they ever come to know Jesus. We have somebody like that. Or think about the passage from Acts about Paul and Silas. Is there anybody in your life right now that would be like that prison guard? Is there somebody in your life that you think would be open and willing to come to church with you if maybe you invited him or her? Maybe they would go with you still. If so, who is this person? Would you be willing to share with him or her? Because everybody knows someone within their friendship circle or their family that if we invited them to come to church, they most likely would, would be open to joining. We have those people. They're open and willing. They're just waiting to be invited. We helped you guys come up with your testimony two weeks ago. We talked about the importance of going out and leaving a mark. And when it comes to evangelism, people tend to think of something like, like this. Like, you know, I need to be on a stage and preach to a whole bunch of people I don't even know. Right? Or I need to go out and stand on the corner with, on the, like a box with my bullhorn and yell at people. This is what we think evangelism is. I don't believe that to be true for what evangelism is. It's not just a one-size thing. Yes, one of those may be things that you can do to evangelize. I think there are more effective ways to do it. And what if evangelism, sharing about Jesus, what he's done in your life, didn't focus on preaching to the masses, but only focused on one person all year long? As a group, we're going to come up with the question, who is or one line. When we get the small groups, I'm actually going to have the leaders write down the names of the people you claim to be your one line. So start thinking about it. We're going to have you guys name your one line. Because this, this person is going is the person all year long that we're going to be intentional in our relationships with them. We're not asking you to preach to a whole bunch of people. We want each one of you to only focus on one person all year long. Start to pray and invite them to church so they can know the love that Jesus has for them. Uh, This whole topic of one life, it's not my idea. Other churches do this. People are much smarter and probably better at youth ministry than me. Um, Came up with this idea. Um, We like to steal things from each other. I mean, borrow things from each other. 
And that's kind of what this one life is. I saw it. Like, this is incredible. I need to do this in my student ministry to shift the focus from, from asking you guys to bring all your friends to focusing on one. So I want you guys to watch this, this video uh, real quick. Because somebody, she was somebody's one mind. You have a chance to, to be a part of somebody's story. It says they're not a, they're not a project, they're, they're your friends, people you love and care about. So, all year long, we're going to pray and keep updated with this list. I'm going to have you guys, like I said, I'm going to have you guys tell your leaders and they're going to write it down. We're going to pray for this list. Pray for these people specifically by name. I'm going to ask you guys, hey, how's your one life? I'm going to say their name. Not Blue because I don't know their name. I want you know I want to get to know these people, so when they do when they do walk through those doors, I can be you know excited and, and be like, hey, how did you do on your test last week? Because you guys are keeping me informed of how your one life is doing. So I want to challenge you guys to all be praying and reaching out to your one life. So every week I'm going to ask you guys how they're doing. Um, hopefully the leaders do the same thing. Uh, I've heard the church is losing ground today because while we're adding people to the kingdom of God, the population of the whole earth is multiplying. If you were to lead one person to Christ every day for the next 32 years, you would have advanced the kingdom of God by 11,000 
688 people. So if you were to leave one person every single day, you have 11,680 people that are in the kingdom of God because of you. That's incredible, right? It's incredible. What about this? Let's say you led one person to Christ. And you spent the next whole year discipling them. Showing what it means to walk in faith in Christ, be able to share their own story, and just grow and mature as a disciple. Who does one person? At the end of year one, how many of there would be? Be of you. After one year. Do this so you, you guys turn the one thought. Because you and the person you talk to. Right? You, the person you talk to. And then the next year, you pick one new person. This person picks somebody. After year two, how many of there are you? Four. And you guys are good at math. Alright? After three years, eight. Awesome. Okay. I'm not going to do the math because it gets big. So if you do that for the same 32 years, so if you did one person a day, 11,608, and that was just to bring them to Christ, not to disciple them, to mature them, but just led them to Christ, that's a pretty big number. If you were to, to do this, and the chain go unbroken, where you led somebody and discipled them, and then they discipled somebody, and you guys kept this, this chain, this triangle growing, here's how many people would come to know Christ after 32 years. That's a lot bigger of a number. To go from 11,000 to over 2 million people. And these people aren't just people who came to know Christ. These people have been discipled for a year and trained. And then to lead somebody else and disciple them. And while they're discipling them, they're being discipled as well. So it's, it's more about, not about adding people, but it's about multiplying the kingdom. Right? You guys see this number? This is bigger. Right? You guys see this? It's a lot bigger. So if Let's see, there's, I think there's 12 kids, 30, 40, 50, 16 of us. If we had 16 of us and four more people, and we did this for 32 years, this would become more than the population of Texas. It's a lot of people. Because we chose to lead someone to Christ in a certain way, and then to disciple them. That's, I think it's amazing. So I want you guys, we're going to pray, and then we're going to split up into a couple groups. Um, we only have like 10 minutes. I'm sorry, it's been a long time. Too much dodgeball. But uh, just to talk about your one life, and, and uh, so I want you guys to actually say it out loud and tell your adults so we can have it written down. So adults be ready to have that written down somewhere, whatever you want to do. And then that will be good. So let's pray. God, tonight, may we just see the importance of, of not just adding to your kingdom, but to multiply it. And to, to pray for our one life, to, to show them how you're living in our life. Just to, to be that influence for them. And they may see the love and, and the hope and the peace and the patience that we have because of you and, and what your spirit is doing in our lives. And people see us and they want what we have. And when these students see how important this one life is and how it can truly change somebody's life, change just the trajectory of, of their life forever. When they see them and they want to be a part of that. In my prayer. Amen.